and welcome back to the Dreamcast. I am your host, Denise Walsh. I combine science, scripture, and stories that will inspire you to dive deep, break through your own personal glass ceiling, and design a life of your dreams. Welcome back to the Dreamcast. Today's interview may bring you to tears, at least it did for me. Our next guest is a pastor's wife, a mom who homeschools her children, and now an author, speaker, and cancer survivor. In today's episode, she's going to take us on her journey, starting from day one of diagnosis all the way through the ups and downs of her treatment, and then coming out on the other side thriving. I honestly have no words to describe the love and passion that overflow from our next guest. So let's get right into it. Please welcome Kim Anderson. Hi, Denise. Thanks so much. I'm so honored to be here and excited. Me too. Me too. I'm really grateful to have you on the episode today because I know your story is, um, I mean, it's powerful. It's absolutely powerful. Um over nine years ago, you were diagnosed with colon cancer. I would love to hear a little bit about that diagnosis. How did you feel? What happened when you first were diagnosed? Right, right. So yeah, so um, a little over eight or nine years ago, actually, I received some news that for me was devastating. And I mean, how many of us have that one day? Like for me, I had that one day one day that I'll never forget. I was, mine was found really whenever um, I was sitting in the doctor's office after having had a colonoscopy. And he said the words colon cancer. At that point, there was no stage, but there would come a diagnosis on that when I had surgery. But I can just remember sitting there. And to be honest with you, Denise, I think even today, especially today, after hearing so many other stories of people who either have that diagnosis have had it, or even people who know family or friends, I think the first emotion is fear. I mean, I mean, isn't that what we all think about? Like when we hear cancer, we automatically want to just naturally go there and we start to feel like, what does this mean for me? Am I going to live? Am I going to die? Like, what does that mean? So when you ask me that, that's basically the first emotion. And then I can remember driving home, my husband and I were driving home and I just felt numb. We were, we were driving and kind of talking about how are we going to share this with our kids. At that time, I was a busy pastor's wife, and I homeschooled my kids. And the, they were 14, 12, and 10. And so they depended on me for everything. It wasn't like I put them on a school bus in the morning and they came home. I mean, they were really dependent on me in every area. So I can just remember thinking, you know, how are we going to share this with our kids and even our family? Um it can just be a really tough time for anybody. And I just have such an empathy and a compassion for people whenever they're diagnosed, regardless of whatever that diagnosis is. One question I have, was this a routine colonoscopy or were you having symptoms? I was having symptoms. Okay. And what what symptoms were you experiencing? So basically um, the, the colonoscopy, well, what what I did is in that February of that year, um, I had started having the pain just when I would go to the bathroom. And then of course I would see the blood in my stool. And to be quite honest, Denise, at first I thought because, and I don't know if this is necessarily symptomatic of colon cancer. I just know that I had battled with a lot of constipation, even though at that time I thought I had this great diet. But um, so I thought maybe it was hemorrhoids and did not really spend a whole lot of time 
being concerned with it. That was in February. And then I just can remember like over the months that it would get more and more painful. I was just experiencing pain. So finally, in June, after visiting my sister and my mom, and knowing that I had those symptoms. And weirdly enough, even though my husband and I are very close, I never even shared it with anybody. And I made an appointment with my medical doctor, just my family doctor. So she sent me to the GI doctor and he scheduled the colonoscopy. And that's whenever I had that in August. Okay. And you said the first, the initial diagnosis didn't include a stage. So what happened next to get a clear picture of what was going on and then a treatment plan? So basically, the GI doctor, after he diagnosed it as colon cancer, he sent me to the surgeon. And at that point, the surgeon was debating on whether or not to go ahead and start with radiation and chemo or just go ahead and do the colon resection. So I really felt like that was an answer to prayer whenever he said the colon resection, because come to find out it wasn't completely in the area that he had expected. And I don't know what I would have done at that point. I think I probably would have just listened to whatever his recommendation was, and I would have gone with it. But um, he scheduled the colonoscopy, or not the colonoscopy, but he scheduled the the colon resection for September. So that's whenever I went in, they took out a tumor that was a little larger than a golf size ball. They also took out some lymph nodes. And then that's when they determined it was stage three colon cancer. Okay. Okay. So after the surgery, what was the, the treatment plan for healing? Right. Okay. So then, of course, while I'm in the hospital, I was in the hospital for a week. So then I'm in the hospital. And basically what um, the oncologist came in whenever they came in, they just have a a conventional plan. And I think they kind of do this depending on whatever stage it is for any type of a cancer. They just have their plans. So for me, it was going to be since six months of chemo. Um, went to Moffitt. I wanted to get a second opinion and Moffitt cancer is in Tampa. So it's not far from my home. So I was hoping for some type of a trial that I could get into. I've always kind of gone more into the natural vein of things. So like when my, with my kids, I had midwives, I had a home birth, like I always just tended to go that way. So I was really hoping for some type of a trial, but they basically, they offered the exact same treatment. It was going to be six months and it was going to be every other week. And I just can remember that feeling of I would be going three to four days a week, barely get back to where I need to be and then start over again. And as a homeschool mom, like for me, I just kept thinking, how could I ever do this? Not to mention, and and Denise, I really, I don't recommend this for everybody, but I just felt like all they're doing is putting poison in my body. And, And that just did not resonate with me or my husband. We just didn't feel good about it. So we really just began to take it to prayer. And even though they recommended that I start the chemo right away, I did not have a piece. And I'll tell you, I'll be, I'll be honest, like as a believer, um, I just go with my peace. And if I don't have peace, I don't try to talk myself out of it. And I didn't. And that's a big, giant leap of faith. Because if you think about it, when these oncologists are telling you start chemo right now, they mean right now. And so for me, what we did is I started going online and I started researching. And so at that point, I just felt like, you know, I looked at different diets and immediately I just thought, you know what, at least while I'm trying to determine what method of treatment I want, then I can change my diet. And I remember even talking to both oncologists and I remember asking them, you know, can diet affect my ability to heal? And both of them said, well, um, you know, it's always good to eat well. I mean, literally, that's what they said. But then after being in the hospital for a week, I realized that if their definition of eating well is what they served me in the hospital, then I probably would never get well. But um, 
So basically, I just went extreme for me. I um, I went to a plant-based diet, which meant no sugar. It was purely vegetarian because, you know, for those of you that may be out there and you're battling any kind of sickness, you know, sugar lowers your immune system just automatically. You can't fight anything if you're eating a lot of sugar. And I'm going to tell you, I was addicted to it. I wasn't a coffee Fiend, like I wasn't addicted to coffee, even though it is acidic, has a lot of pesticides in it, and it's not a good thing when you're battling with cancer. But sugar was my big thing, and um, and so I just immediately went off of it, cold turkey. I was like, okay, if I'm going to fight this, I got to be all in or all out. So I took sugar out of my diet, and I juiced. And a funny story about that is for any of you guys that have or have not juiced, when you juice, your primary vegetable is your carrot. And I can remember going into Publix, the grocery store down here, and every week I would pick up this big, I would take one of my kids with me for a while there, but as I was getting stronger, but I would pick up this big 25-pound bag of carrots, and I would put it on the conveyor belt. And literally, if I got a different lady each time, which seemed like every time, their big question was, you must have horses. And I'm like, uh, no, but you're looking at the one that we have in our home. But um, but I started juicing and I can remember doing that. And I would just put different things in there and, um, and you know, different vegetables and beets and, and those kinds of things. And I can just remember that I was drinking eight glasses a day. Like I totally went off the deep end on trying to juice and get healthy. But, you know, I don't think we can get too healthy. But when, when I looked in the mirror one day and I saw that I was turning on orange, I thought, you know, maybe I'm overdoing it a little bit because literally (laughs) it didn't look like a beautiful bronze spray tan that you would go and get if you wanted to look really great. It was like one of those that looked like it was a cheap bottle of spray tan and you put in, you know how it gets in the creases and everything, like literally I'm turning orange. (laughs) That's how you know you're eating a lot of carrots. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) But it was fun. It was an interesting journey along the way. Trust me. So for how long did you have the plant-based juicing diet? Okay, so what I did is at that point, I was still trying to determine what I wanted to do. And I did not have a doctor in mind. And every doctor, like I said, that I went to wanted me to go conventional. So basically, I stayed with that for three months. Then as I was praying about the process of it, and I began to look into like, who can I go to? What can I do? I had already heard about Dr. Um, Don Colbert. Like if, if you've ever heard of him, he's written lots and lots of books. He's completely natural, but he's a medical doctor. And um, his story is a whole new, I mean, it's a whole nother story on how he went from conventional medicine to um, basically anti-aging. But anyway, he, he lived in Orlando. He has literally treated people all over, all over the world. So the cool thing is that he was close. But the tough thing at that time is we were, I mean, my husband was a pastor. We were living off one income. So we were like, okay, this is going to be expensive. And we already knew that insurance would not cover it. But we thought, you know what? I just felt like in my heart, if I could get to him, he could at least care for me and continue to run testing and that sort of thing. Because I'm going to be honest, oncologists, they don't follow up on you if you don't do the program, which I get that, but it's difficult because they don't like the fact that you don't want to go their, their, their way. And they don't really want you to come back in to say, Hey, can you do my blood work? Or can you do, you know, the MRIs and the different testing? So I went to this Dr. Colbert in Orlando and I can just remember um, the first time I went in to um, see him, he literally went over all of my, all of my um, testing and talked to me 
And, um, and when I showed him the one printout that both oncologists gave me on the survival rate for someone who chose chemo and someone who didn't, it was such a low percentage. And then they had not even taken into account someone who chose alternative, but changed their diet. And I just told him, I said, I just want to know for me, if this were you, like, what do you think my chances are? Like, am I really taking a big chance if I choose alternative? And he just looked at me and I don't know how many doctors would be this honest, but I loved it. He said, Kim, you know, if it were me and I looked at this and I were not a doctor, he said, like, I would go alternative. And, um, and so he started on this whole regimen of therapy and it was a lot. It was like four to five hours a day. Like it took me a long time to go through all of it, but I can just remember that in the midst of all of it, I was grateful that I was a stay at home mom. But I also remember in the midst of it. And, and Denise, this is the thing that like, how many doctors do this, but he literally gave me, and this was back just nine years ago, but it's kind of funny now. He just gave me these handouts, literally looked like they've been copied over and over and over, but um, it was these handouts. And one of them was on vision. And that's something I know you're really big on is, is it's important for us to write our vision down and create vision boards and look and see where we're going in our future. So I loved it. He gave me this sheet and literally walked me through how important it is that we have vision in our lives. Because if you think about it, when you have a diagnosis and when you're feeling overwhelmed, like there's voices of death that are coming at you, like at every turn, you're looking at cancer. What do you think of? death. You're listening to people who are talking to you about their mom and their grandmother and their sister who had, for me, colon cancer. And they would tell me, you know, like, oh, they, they got over it and they were healed and it came back and they died. You don't even realize what you're saying when somebody is battling a disease and you're telling them all of the death stories. And so he realized that the voices that I needed to hear needed to be a vision. And he was a believer. And he told me the power of the written word, the, the, uh, the, the inspired word of God and how the Holy Spirit inspired men to write it. And so we went through what vision would look like. And, and then he said to me, he said, you know, what does the word say? And, and, and God immediately brought me to the scripture in John 10, 10, that says that the devil is the one who comes to steal, to kill and destroy. So what that told me is that God didn't put sickness on me because the rest of that verse says that I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. And I'm going to tell you, cancer is not abundant life. And so when he began to just walk it out and put it before me, and then he told me, he said, you know, Kim, he said, it's really easy to look at death and your funeral and what is your family going to do and how is this going to affect your kids? He said, every day you need to Thank God for what he's given and placed in your life. Be grateful. And he gave me a, a thankful sheet. And so, you know, when I got home, I was writing out my vision and I was writing out my thankful list. And, you know, I was just so blessed to be able to have a doctor speak life. Oh, my goodness. In a death situation. Now, when you say four to five hours of therapy, is this the type of thing you're talking about? Or was there something else you were doing, too? Yeah. Okay. So. Yeah. So he put me on all of these supplements, all of this enzyme therapy. And then he had me doing two saunas a day. So I had to do 30 minute in the morning, 30 minute in the evening. So that's a whole process like that almost takes an hour by the time you heat it up, you get in there, you get out, you got to go take your shower because you've got to scrub off all of the toxins that you just sweated out in your body. 
And then this one's kind of yucky, but he had me doing two enemas a day. They were coffee enemas. And basically those were specifically for cleansing and keeping me detoxed in my body. And like even in those though, Denise, I know this sounds really like some people are like too much information, TMI. But um, when I went through the saunas, like I would literally sit in there and I was in one of these tent saunas that I ordered and I had a little stool and every 15 minutes um, or maybe it was every 10, whatever it was, I don't even use it now, but you would have to rotate in front of this light. And so what I would do is literally on the floor of my sauna tent, I would have my notebook with my thankful list. And so I would go through my thankful list and then I would be praying for other people. You know, I believe that if we plant seeds, that what we plant, we're going to, what we sow, we're going to reap. And so I would, I would literally ask God to bring people to me that are battling sickness and disease. And I would use my sauna time for my prayer time and for my reading time. So that was part of it. And then the enemas that took probably a little over an hour each time, because I do one in the morning, one in the, the late afternoon. But during those enema times, I would crank up the praise and worship, you know, because at that point, that was my way of just not focusing on the cancer, but focusing on who the God is that I believe was going to heal me from the cancer. And so what I did is, you know, somebody taught one time on praise and worship, you know, praise is about how, you know, when you're praising God, it's affecting what we can see, but worship affects what we can't see. And I would worship God and just in, in worship of who he is and that he's the God who heals. And I would just see the day that I would get the clean reports from the MRI or the CT scans or from the blood work. And I would just imagine it happening as if it had happened that day. And I did that every single day. I just spoke my destiny instead of speaking my circumstance. I would speak God's truth instead of speaking the doctor's facts in my life. And so that was part of it, along with, like I said, all the um, the other things that I did, the juicing, like that took a lot of time because I'd had pre- I had to prepare the vegetables. And then for juicing, after about 48 hours, they really, if you try to even put it in the mason jars, the, the, the nutrients that you get from juicing starts to really diminish. So I was juicing every other day. So when I say part of my therapy, it's all of those pieces of it for me to get healthy. I mean, cutting up vegetables every single day, I I ate raw vegetables. So that's pretty much that's in my book that I wrote, like I share a little bit more in detail, but generally that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about the therapy that he put me on. Okay. So you're juicing eight glasses a day. You're doing the sauna, you're doing the coffee enemas, you're taking supplements, you're doing, I can see how this eventually like takes over your life because you can't go out to dinner because you do have to do the sauna. You obviously need to eat your, your, your juices. So it, it takes over your life and you have a choice, right? You have a choice to either allow it to take over your mind in a negative way and live in that fear, or you, it's going to take over your life either way. So you have the choice of either having it be fear or what you did, which was speaking life in the situation, even though you didn't see it quite yet. I love that a doctor referred you to, uh, to basically change your mindset. Tell me, I mean, I know we, we have a lot of, you did a lot of things physically, but how do you think changing your mindset impacted your journey? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. Cause I'm going to tell you, Denise, I think changing your mindset 
can impact every part of anybody's journey to get well. You can do everything right, but if you believe that you're dying, you can eat right, you can exercise, you can stay clean, but if you're thinking negative thoughts, it can impact your body. In fact, um, Denise, I know you're familiar with Dr. Leaf because you had said, you know, that you had, um, you had, you're familiar with her, but I just want to read a quote from her. And this is something that I'd gone to Dr. Colbert and somehow, I don't even remember how it was all these years ago. I had gotten um, connected with her material. I didn't know her at the time, but I'd gotten connected with her material. I just remember reading this um, and, and, and you'll hear if you ever, Google and listen to her. One of the things that Dr. Lee says is science is catching up with the Bible because the Bible tells us that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And we're going to eat the fruit of whatever we're speaking or we're thinking. So this is what she said. Dr. Leaf has shown both scientifically, and she's a neuroscientist, by the way, and biblically, that the mind is where the action is determined and focused. And that persistent mind action, especially when coupled with God's word, is able to stimulate the brain. Isn't that cool? Stimulate the brain and the rest of the body, leading to increased health and vitality. And then she says this, a chaotic mind Mind filled with cluttered, rogue thoughts of anxiety, worry, and all manner of fear-related emotions, they send out the wrong signal right down to the level of the DNA. Isn't that powerful? We are going to have that little quote in the show notes or the description box because I know everybody is going to want to see that. That's that's amazing. Yeah, it's powerful. So thoughts for cancer patients, you can have thoughts of fear and death even planning your funeral or losing this battle. And literally it will begin. This is what I think. What it does, if you can imagine a visual, every death thought that you think is literally speaking death to your cells. And I think, Denise, um, one of the questions, because I speak at retreats and there's been many opportunities for me to share my story. And I can remember, and this has happened more than one time. Like I share with people, there is no judgment. If God or you even decide to go with chemo, go with chemo. Like you've got to find your journey and what works for you in that moment. But I can remember this one lady that came up to me and she said, you know, Kim, after you shared your story and you shared about faith and building your faith and growing in your faith and you're alive, what does that mean for my mom? Because I thought that she was going to be healed and she died. Are you telling me she didn't have enough faith? And, you know, I mean, obviously, I don't know her mom. I don't know her heart. But you know what I think, Denise? I think that there are a lot of people that are saying and believing that they're going to be healed if they're battling something. But I have this sneaky suspicion that when they put their head on the pillow at night, On the outside, they're telling friends, I'm trusting. But on the inside, if I could see their thought life, it would be so revealing. And I literally, you know, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, bring every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And I'm telling you, Denise, I lived it. Every moment of every day, I would literally think about what I was thinking about. I was fighting for my life. I had chose not to go chemo. I knew that I had 
to go all in or all out. And so I would, I would even, I was careful about like, I remember back years ago, I can't remember the name of the movie. There was a movie that came out and I think one of the guys had cancer. And I think in the end of the movie he died, which I didn't know at the time, I would not allow myself to watch anything that, that spoke death. I did not allow myself to watch even action shows because they can cause you to kind of get anxious and stressed even while you're watching it. I'm telling you, I went all in, but, um, I think that our thoughts and when Dr. Lee can prove it scientifically, like we need to take notice. We need to sit up and say, wait a minute, what am I thinking about? Because I think it can affect, I mean, Denise, you know, like, like you've put vision in front of you for everything that you've done and look at what's happened. And I guarantee you that you have been the most successful when you're seeing and thinking success thoughts and you're taking captive those thoughts that want to come in and say, you're not going to make it. Or what if this doesn't work out for you? Or what if like for me, what if you're speaking healing and health and you're going to beat this cancer and you die? You know what? I would take them captive and I'd say, no, uh-uh. and I would literally laugh out loud and say, you know what, God, I am so thankful that I am healed by the stripes on Jesus back. I am already healed. And I would just laugh out loud, did it on purpose. Because our thoughts are so important. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Okay, um, tell me what we're gonna move to gratitude in a minute because I know that's uh, another part of your story. But I want to stay with visualization a bit. Uh, what were the scripture verses you spoke day after day after day that went from your head to your heart? And I, I agree. I think a lot of times we have this idea of what we want, but we don't really believe it. And so our head and our heart are not connected. And there's something that happens when you like to the core, fully believe and know uh, where you're headed. And then when those fear thoughts come, you can laugh it off a little bit because you're like, that's not true. This I know from the core where I'm going and you can stay so focused on that. So what verses did you speak over your life? Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So um, Proverbs 23, seven was one that tells us for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And again, it, it aligns with what Dr. Lee said in Proverbs four, it says the word is life to those that find it and health to all their flesh. I believe it's verses 22, 20 to 23. Um, I can remember in Psalm 112.7, I would speak this out loud every day that I will not fear, evil tidings. My heart is steady, trusting in you. Cause you know, your heart can start to feel fearful. And I would declare that my heart is not going to be fearful, that I am steady. I would speak by his stripes. I'm healed, which is first Peter two twenty four. in Psalms. It tells us that he will satisfy me with long life. And then I can remember, I'll tell you this whole story. Um, this scripture really impacted me. I was driving down and I was um, on my way. It was a few weeks into all of this after I could drive again and I was healing from the surgery. And I remember going to pick up my kids. They were in the, um, the high school ministry before my kids had their driver's license. And all of a sudden, before I got on the interstate, like I just literally had that cry, you know, I mean, we always call it the ugly cry. It's the one we don't want anybody to see. But you know, when you're, you know, even when you're speaking the scriptures, Denise, there's just times whenever that emotion comes over you, not when you're expecting it, it just hits you. And I don't think that's a bad thing. God created us with emotion. It's what we do with it 
that can determine the direction that we go at that point. But I can remember getting onto the interstate and just crying out to God. And I said, you know, God, I am reading your word. I am speaking your word. I'm meditating on your word. I'm catching those thoughts and I'm doing what you've called me to do. But, you know, we serve a God that's not about religion, but relationship. And he cares about the little things and the big things and everything in between. And I can just remember saying, God, I need for you to speak to me personally. I need to know that this word, it's written in the word of God, but I need to know at this very moment it's for Kim. And I pulled on the interstate and all of a sudden I looked up and there was this huge rainbow. And this is where I know the spirit of the Lord spoke to me. And he said, because in the word, it tells us that all of God's promises are yes and amen. And then we had at that time at our church, we had been singing this one song that basically it was based out of that scripture. And I can just remember that song coming to my mind and I began to sing it. And God reminded me and he said, Kim, this is for you in this very moment, in this very day, because you asked me and because I'm a God of relationship. And so that rest of that drive, God said, all of my promises are yes and amen. What are my promises? And then the ones that I just shared with you, it was like, again, I spoke them out loud and said, God, I just thank you so much that your promises are yes and amen, and that I am healed, and that I will walk out this with health and wholeness. And then I remember that the Lord gave me the scripture in Psalm 118, 17, that says, I will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And that, and I know we're going to talk about vision in a few minutes, but that was my life scripture at that moment, because that was my promise from him is that I would live and not die. Oh my goodness. I'm a mess over here. <laughs> That's amazing. And and it is, it's so powerful. And you said that you, on top of speaking this to yourself, you took your thoughts captive. You spoke scripture consistently over and over and over till it went from your head to your heart. You claimed it, but then you also pictured success in the future. You yeah. pictured going to the doctor. You pictured have a clean report. You picture your kids getting married and you're there. Tell me about that. Okay, so that's a good, that's really good because I'll tell you what, um, when I was picturing my future, that was the one thing that Dr. Colbert again said was so important. So when God gave me this verse, and I'm, t- and I'm telling you, like, Denise, would we cry out to God? Like he answers every single time. Sometimes we get so busy, we don't wait on the answer. And then he's like, I'm trying to answer you, but you're busy. But I really believe that whenever he gave me that scripture in in Psalm 118, he told me I would live and not die and declare his works. What I began to see as far as my future is, is, and and Dr. Colbert said this to me. He said, Kim, one day you are going to have opportunities to share your story. One day you're going to be able to bring hope to people who feel hopeless. One day, he said that your destiny is going to be to declare what God has called you to. And he didn't necessarily use the word declared, maybe, but maybe he did. You know, sometimes I don't even remember because at that point, I don't even know if I'd ever even read that verse. But he literally gave me visions of that one day. And just like that one day, I was sitting in the doctor's office and I thought my life is going to take a turn and I had no idea. That scripture, and when I met with Dr. Culver, was my light and my hope and my purpose. And so I began to visualize me standing on a platform and sharing with people 
my story so that I can encourage them. In fact, I can remember reading in, in the Psalms, you know, we've read about David, you know, the story about David and Goliath. And I can just remember even reading about that. And, and um, I think it was Joyce Meyer that I heard when she was teaching on that. And she said, we need to run toward Goliath like David did. David ran with his mouth wide open. And what he was doing is he was literally declaring the end from the beginning. Or is it the yeah the end? Or is it the end from the beginning? I always get those flipped. But what he was doing is he was talking about the God that he served. And he was saying, basically, you know what? You're not frightening me. You're not scaring me. And all the Israelites had been standing there for days and days and days. They were so afraid of Goliath because Goliath was speaking words that would literally create fear that would go so deep into their heart and their soul. They were paralyzed. And David laughed at him like David didn't even put on the armor that Saul had because he trusted that his armor was God and the word of God. So I believe like I can just picture this little guy running toward Goliath laughing. And so for me, I just remember thinking, you know what, God, I'm going to have opportunities. And that's why like I've literally just begun the journey. What I had done years ago is I journaled and journaled and journaled. I just felt like God told me to write your story because we forget, we forget. And the Bible even told Abraham, God told Abraham in the Bible, he said, build altars because he knew, God knew we would have a victory. And then as soon as the next trial came, because we live in a fallen world, we are going to have trials and tribulations, but they would forget. And he said, now you can look at that altar and it will remind you of who I am. I am the God. I am. And I will take care of you and I will deliver you. And so as I began to see that vision, I would see myself speaking and writing. And so after a time period, I would write, write, write in this journal. And then my husband said, Kim, I think you need to make this a book. And so my vision was that I would write a book and I would finish a book and that I would speak and that I would encourage other people. And even in my book on the back of it, when I'm talking about what it's about, I tell them, what is the cancer in your life? What Goliath like are you fighting today in your life? Because even though my book talks about all of my steps for defeating cancer, those can be steps for defeating any cancer in your life. It doesn't have to be a, a physical. It can be you're financially struggling. You know, it can be that you're struggling in relationships. It's just a book to really help you see that what the words are being said and the voices that you've heard, they don't determine your destiny. You determine your destiny. And what is your book called? It's called Live, Not Die. Very clear. Very clear. <laughs> I love it's it. Now, live, not die. And you can get that on Amazon. Yep. And Barnes and Noble. Awesome. 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 We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, but I love your thoughts on vision. You cast that vision when you, you know, you a vision for your future produces passion. And when you see yourself living and not dying, it produces mm -hmm. this passion within you to get up in the morning, to stay focused on choosing and doing everything because you believe and know that it's helping you. And you're, you're visualizing a, a fruitful life, a thriving life, a successful, you know, healthy relationships in all areas. Right. Absolutely. Um, but yet gratitude is about being grateful for the now. So tell me how gratitude impacted your journey as well. Yeah. So um, like I said, Dr. Colbert gave me just basically a, a piece of paper that basically said, you know, write down what you're thankful for. And so the way that it, that it changed my heart is that when you're thanking God, there's sometimes when you're just thanking God 
for things that you haven't even seen yet. And so when you begin to thank God, whether it's for my healing or for my children, or for my husband, I would thank him like for my home. I would thank him for my husband's job and for the friends that God had brought us um, into our lives. I would thank him for my family that was extended, you know, my mom, his mom, different people in our family. And I'm telling you, Denise, one of the things that I have seen is when people lose hope, whether it's because they're battling disease, battling finances, struggling with relationships, whatever it is, it just seems like the first thing people want to do is say, God, why? Why did you put this on me? And instead of looking into God for their answer, they're blaming God for whatever that trial is in their life, whatever that tribulation is in their life. And when we're blaming God, we can become bitter and not better. And so I think being thankful creates this whole atmosphere of better. And when you're thankful and you feel like your atmosphere changes, it opens your heart up to see vision. It opens your heart up to see hope. It opens your heart up to God in ways that I don't think we always do. And, you know, I think that's why it's important to be thankful to God and to know his word, because I think there's a lot of people. I can remember this lady years ago. My husband and I went to go pray for her and she had cancer. And we asked, can we pray for you? And she said, yeah. And we said, can we pray for your healing? And she said, yes. Now, this is a thing that I've learned since then. It's really important when you're praying for someone to ask them what they're believing for. We can believe for healing for them all day long. But if they're not believing, we can't come against their belief system. In fact, Jesus didn't. When he went into his own hometown, the Bible tells us he did few miracles. You know why? Because they didn't believe. So we asked her, can we pray for you and pray for healing? We didn't say, what are you believing for? Well, anyway, a few weeks later, she passed away. And this is what we found out. She and her husband met and started having an affair with one another. They divorced their spouses and they came together. And she believed that God one day would punish her. So when she was diagnosed with cancer, how can she thank God when in reality she knew that she had sinned and felt like all she served was a condemning God? Like, God is going to punish me. How could he ever forgive me in this life? And because of that, when she got cancer, she believed that God had put that on her. And I don't think we can ever have a thankful heart, especially to God, if we think that he put sickness on us. I don't believe we can. And if we can't, there is no hope, there's no purpose, and there's no vision. Wow. Okay. So the gratitude in the now, not just is for your thoughts, but that also changes your heart. And then because your heart has changed, mm. you have increased hope. You become better, not just bitter. Exactly. And your whole world is shifted because your heart is soft instead of hard in the midst of such a difficult situation. Yeah. Yeah. I love the way you said that. Your heart Ooh. is soft. That's, now, That's powerful. How many years did, was the treatment for you before you got that clean bill, bill of health? health. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, um, it was a year. They, um, of course, they don't want all the radiation and everything. So they're not going to do a lot of those tests on a regular basis. But a year after I was diagnosed, um, that's whenever I went back in and had all of the testing done. And based on all of that testing, I was cancer free. But let me just tell you, 
with breast cancer or colon cancer, different cancers, they have their trials that extend to a certain number of years. So for colon cancer, for example, they say that you're not completely considered cured for five years. And what that means is that there is a chance, even if you go through chemo and they call you cured at that moment, or they call you cancer-free at that moment, they say that there is a chance if people survive five years, that it does not come back. So even in the midst of all of that, after a year, I feel like that my real therapy and everything that I did was critical that I keep it for at least five years. I've continued it since then, but yeah, for, for really, you're not considered cured for five years. Okay. And it's been nine years for you. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Now I know that even though um, you didn't do cancer and radiation. You, the treatment still did impact your family. Tell me a little bit about your family unit dynamics during that time. See, I love this part of the story too. When I the, see the thing about chemo is that it breaks your body down, and you really are sick through your recovery period through going through chemo. After my surgery, and we shared it with our children, and as my body began to get stronger. We literally walked our kids through every part of it. Like I can just remember, like there were times, yes, that I got emotional and there were times whenever I had to be reminded and I would remind myself, you know, that God was going to heal me. But through the journey, I've even asked my kids when I was writing my book and I've just finished it, but I can remember asking them, what do you remember about that time in your life? And this has just been in the last year. And honestly, Denise, they remember their mom being strong. They remember their mom speaking Bible verses. They remember their mom worshiping during times like they weren't in there when I was doing intimacy, but they definitely, you know, were around because I was homeschooling. But they, they, they really have shared how they feel like that. I really encourage them. And I've helped them to understand how you walk out going through cancer or anything in your life. And that's not all about like, I'm not saying that to say, oh, yay for me that I'm a great mom. There were times like there was one time I came home from the doctor in the very beginning from the oncologist and I was emotional and I wasn't speaking death. I was just emotional. And I can remember my son at the time was 12 years old. And he looked at me and said, mom, I don't even know why you're crying. You already know God's healed you. Like literally (laughs) I'm like, Oh my gosh. Thank you. (laughs) Like you're exactly right. I need to, you know, not that God doesn't care about our tears, but you know, it kind of was a paradigm shift. It's like, you know what? Our kids can believe so quickly when they're kids, they don't have all that doubt and unbelief. So it was God using my kids to remind me that I said and declared that I was going to live and not die. So why are you crying? You need to be crying. You need to be thinking. You need to be jumping up and down. So anyway, yeah. So I really, my kids don't remember me crawling in bed, being depressed or crawling in bed, crying on a regular basis because I did not, I made a choice. I did not do that. Mm-hmm. Now I met you a few years ago and you had the privilege of introducing Dr. Leaf when she came to um, a church in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, we and I was in the audience and little did I know years later, I would get to hear a deeper part of your story as you launch your book, Live Not Die. But after reading Dr. Leaf and, and implementing her strategies and taking your thoughts captive and creating new neural pathways and increasing your belief and like doing the things that she talks about, tell me about the time when you got to meet her. 
Oh, I mean, I was almost in tears. I mean, it brings tears even now. Um, so what I did is um, Carla Burns, our mutual friend, she and I were at coffee together. And I can remember that she had said, you know, I'm going to have my group here for one of your events um, for where you guys work. And um, she said, what I want to do is ask my team to stay over. And I want to invite Dr. Caroline Leaf here to speak. And I'm like, you're going to invite Dr. Caroline Leaf here to speak. And she said, yeah, do you know who that is? And I'm like, can I just tell you? <laughs> Let me just tell you how this lady has impacted my life. I said, you know, and so I began to tell her my story. And I said, you know, when you're walking this thing, you're doing it by faith. But to have a neuroscientist literally explain in a book or on her website that what I'm doing has been proven scientifically, I said, she like changed my life. And Carla looked at me and said, Kim, I think you should introduce her. And I look, I'm like, you want me to introduce? Like, I'm just thinking, I never even thought I would meet the lady, much less introduce her. So for me, it was so surreal because I was going to have the opportunity that I could share with an audience and I could share with, with, um, with Dr. Leaf, like thank her for what she's doing and how her words impacted my life, my body. And I was eight years out. This was about a year and a half ago, two, almost two years ago, that I was eight years out and I was cancer free and that what she was putting in paper and what she was speaking, I was living. It was amazing. I can imagine. I mean, it's, I can absolutely imagine that's an amazing experience. And so, so grateful again, that you got to do that. And I know that is what inspired one of the things, of course, that inspired you writing your book. So tell me about the journey of writing your book. What is it about? Where can we find it? Okay. So like you said earlier, um, it's offered on Amazon and it's offered at barnesandnoble.com. Um, I also have a website. I'm actually in the process of connecting it so they can order it on my website. It's called kimanderson.info. But um, basically my book, it's 10 steps for my battle plan in defeating cancer. And so I talk about all the things that I've shared when I was in the journey of writing all of this. Like one of the things I talk about is how important it is that we're to have community, um, you know, because we are walking out this battle and we need to have somebody walking it out with us. So when I was writing it, I just felt like, you know, God has really called me to write this book and I want to write it and be authentic and real. And I just want to be able to write it in practical. St- I'm just a practical teacher. Like when I teach, I just teach very clearly clearly and practically because I want people to catch it and I want it to change their lives. So whenever I began to actually write it, um, I just felt like God had called me just to self-publish. I don't, I I didn't, I just felt like he wanted me to do that right now. My step of journey is just um, to go ahead or my journey, just to put it on my website. I can promote it. And I haven't even really started that journey, even though I had it in a very um, unedited form whenever Dr. Leaf came, I, I was honest. And I just said, Hey guys, this is unedited. This is actually my first copy of it. I wanted to have it here. So as I was writing it all, I guess the journey was that I wrote in there those moments whenever I was weak and what I did to become strong. I wrote in there the times whenever I did cry. I wrote in there the times that even prior to getting cancer, that there was this low level. We had 
been struggling through a lot of different things and how I didn't even realize I had this kind of low level of depression. And I'm not a naturally depressed kind of person. It doesn't stop me. I'm just, not, I just keep going, going, going. But I just kind of felt like that somebody needed to hear a story that was real, that was authentic, that was in the heart, but it wasn't condemning or judgmental. And so I just wrote out my 10 steps. I tried to make it simple. And that's what I did. And then put it pen to paper, did that, and then printed it. And so now what I've done is I find Finally, have gone through the final editing process. And funny is my daughter is a an artist. And so it was pretty cool because she designed my first cover. But then whenever I got to this point where we're going in and basically we're starting to print this new edited edition to where it's like, okay, now I can actually promote it. She said, mom, we need to go ahead and change your cover. So she redesigned my cover for me, which I'm really thankful. I don't know how in the world, but I got three kids that are extremely creative, unlike their mom. So she redesigned it for me. And so basically I just kind of put in there those 10 steps for defeating cancer and whatever that cancer is in your life. And I loved it. And, and I'll be honest on Amazon, I've got some reviews on it and I've just been privileged to be able to read those reviews. And I've talked to people and I've got people that will say, um, you know, I've read your book and I'm passing it on because I have a friend that was just diagnosed with cancer. There's one lady in Tampa that had gotten in touch with me through a friend, a mutual friend, and she and her husband both were walking through cancer at the same time with small kids. And she just said, Kim, your story impacted my life. And the cool thing about that is that was like um, a year ago with my first edition. And, um, and now both her and her husband are cancer free. They chose alternative. They went to Dr. Colbert, like they just begin to implement it and God changed their life and they're both healed from it. So I think, and that was exactly what I wanted to write this book for. Like I wanted it to not just touch the heart of people, but change their life, just like what Dr. Leaf has done, her words alone from all of the scientific experimenting and testing and everything changes people. It changes their body. It changes their future. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a doctor, but I just felt like, you know what? I can write my story. And I think that's really what my journey was, Denise. I just wanted to be real and authentic and just say, you know what? I'm just a, I mean, I was just a housewife at that time, homeschooling our kids and serving in ministry at our church. And I just want to teach people, you know, what God had to say about cancer and how to transform your mindset or how to destroy the spirit of fear in your life that's trying to bring you down and drag you down and how you maintain that confidence. Even at times when you feel weak, you can be confident and weak at the same time. And, um, and support group is so important. We need to have people around us. I know for the first six months, I hardly shared with anybody. And the reason I did, which I'm thankful now is as soon as I started sharing my story and I got to speak six months later when I was still walking through it, I probably had 25 people that came up to me. I didn't count. But all 24 of the 25 were telling me all these death stories. And only one said they knew a relative that was healed. So I just wanted people to know that there's another um, hope out there. There's another way. There's another journey that you can take instead of choosing the conventional and the, and the traditional journey of cancer or whatever you're going through in your life. And just be able to in, you know, implant or plant hope in people, purpose in people, vision in people. Guys, go to Amazon right now and check out Kim's book, Live Not Die. Make sure you leave her a review. Show her some love. 
And oh my goodness, I you are a hope broker. And I think hope, that vision for the future can make or break us. And you are somebody that is casting vision, not just by sharing your story, but really sharing with others that their life, whatever struggle, whatever their cancer is, can be used to bless and serve the world. So do you have anything else that we missed that you want to end with? Um, okay, so let me think for a minute, because I feel like all I've done is like, um, talk about, you know, one of the things I wanted to share, you know, you were asking about family. Um, One of the things that I do want to share is that, you know, um, one of the even one of the things that you and I talked about is like, you know, who are my mentors? So I just want to say, choose people wisely in your life. And um, my husband is really been my mentor. He's the one that pushed me, nagged me and drug me you know, tooth and nail to try to write a book. Cause I thought, who am I to write a book? My daughter, my oldest daughter, she said, mom, you have a story to tell, write your book, write your book. My youngest daughter, she was young at the time. And she was just like, you know, mom, thank you for being a model and an example for me. And, and so I just want to say that it's important. My last thought is, is choose the people that speak into your life wisely because they literally can lead you down a path that you don't want to go on, or they can lead you away from a path that you're already on. Mm, That's so true. So true. All right. Well, thank you so much, Kim, for sharing your story. You are full of grace and love, yet a strength that is powerful. And I think that's an amazing, amazing balance. KimAnderson.info and live, not die. All of the uh, scripture verses and the Dr. Leaf quote will be in the description box as well, because we know that even just starting with that, uh, your life will be blessed as well. So thank you all. Thanks so much, Denise. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Live Not Die by Kim Anderson is available at Amazon.com, and she has graciously offered to give away 10 signed copies of her book to 10 of you. And the way you enter this amazing giveaway is to simply leave a review, share your aha moment, how Kim's story in this episode blessed and touched your life today. And we'll go through all of the comments on YouTube and on CastBox and Apple Podcast uh, for those who have left a review over the last few days, and we'll choose 10 of you to win. So make sure you leave your email address in your review so we can go ahead and contact you, gather all your information so we can ship the book directly to your doors. If you are interested in being entered into this giveaway, go ahead and leave a review right now so you are qualified, and we'll get in touch with 10 winners by the end of the week. Thanks again so much for hanging out with us today, and remember to dream big. Thank you so much for listening today. Head over to denisewalsh.com. Enter your email to subscribe to our list, and I'll be sending out an early bird special coupon. 50% off, in fact, of the Dream Life Workbook when it is launched in just a few months. So if you want to have first dibs, let's get your name on that list. Thanks again. I so appreciate you. And remember to dream big. 